0: You're special in the eyes and heart of God. You didn't land on this broadcast by accident, but the Lord wants to speak to you today. Praise God.
1: Welcome to Light Words with Pastor Scott Huffman from Lighthouse Church Ministries. These past couple Sundays we've been going through biblical characters, and this week we're talking about David, a man after God's own heart.
0: You know, we've been highlighting some of the greatest, as Christy mentioned, personalities in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament. What made these individuals so great or so special? I guess what sets them apart is their great faith and trust in God and the risks they were willing to take for Him. You know, when we walk by faith, sometimes we have to take risks. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Today we look at David. He's my personal favorite, as I mentioned, a man after the heart of God. What made David desire that title or deserve that title? God's heart was exemplified in David, the one who fully followed the Lord and desired him more than anything else in his life. Can you say that about your life? God was David's passion desire and glory. He was consumed in knowing, worshiping, and experiencing God in his life. Now let's showcase his life and, and his walk in God, and then apply it to our lives in Jesus Christ. The story of David begins in the hills of Bethlehem. You've heard of that little town? Oh, little town of Bethlehem, where he was born as well as Jesus. He kept and tended his father's sheep. He was the youngest of eight brothers. God spoke to him later and said he would call him from the sheepfold to shepherd his people Israel. Let's read Second Samuel 7-8.
2: Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts: I took you from the sheepfold from following the sheep to be ruler over my people and over Israel.":
0: David was the greatest king of Israel ever. He is mentioned in the Bible. I didn't realize this till I looked it up. He's mentioned in the Bible more than anyone else, except for Jesus. <laughs> then we have the great story in First Samuel, where Samuel anoints him as king of Israel. Let's read First Samuel. 16, 7, 10, 11, and 13.
1: Okay. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. 10 and 11. Thus, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest and there he is keeping the sheep.
0: This is amazing because I'll just hold that for a minute. So what we have here is Saul was king of Israel and he had rebelled against the Lord. He had disobeyed the Lord. Rebellion is is the sin of witchcraft and uh, stubbornness is the the sin of idolatry. And so uh, Saul broke the heart of God and turned away from God. And so God was called or forced to anoint a new king. Of course, this new king would be God's choice, not man's choice. A man after his own heart and so he told the prophet Samuel go to Bethlehem and anoint the new king of Israel praise God how great that is and when a prophet comes into town people get nervous because sometimes prophets prophesy things that people don't want to (laughs) hear but they speak forth the word of God but when Samuel came in he said no no everything's fine everything's cool I'm just here to anoint the next king So Jesse has all of his seven sons line up, and they're all good, strapping young men, handsome. And he goes down the line, and the Lord says, no, 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 no. (laughs) Now Samuel's a mighty prophet of God. None of his words ever fell to the ground. That means everything he prophesied came to pass. And so when he got to after the seventh one, and God says no, Samuel is starting to panic a little bit. I always hear from the Lord. And then he says to Jesse, by the way, Jesse, would you have one more son? Well, the little guy, David, he's up in the hills watching the sheep. Bring him right now. He's the one. And so David comes down and he opens up the horn of oil and pours it upon David. And the Spirit of God comes upon David. Did you read verse 13?
1: Yeah. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward.
0: The Spirit of the Lord came upon David, I remember when the Spirit of the Lord came upon me in a sovereign act of God, and it flowed from the top of my head all the way down to my feet like warm oil, and filled me up with the presence and power of God. Hallelujah. There's nothing like being filled with the Holy Spirit, guys. Don't be drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. After that, we have the story of David defeating Goliath. We all know the story, probably his children, with the power of faith and the spoken word. David didn't Uh, wear King Saul's armor. Mm -hmm. Saul said, why don't you take my armor, David, since he was too afraid to go against Goliath. So go ahead, David, take my armor. David said, I don't need your armor. It's not tested. But he was dressed in the armor of God, Mm -hmm. praise God. And all David had was a slingshot and five smooth stones. Let's read 1 Samuel 1745 46.
1: Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the Amen. name of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of, of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all earth may know that there is a God in Israel.
0: Notice the word of faith being spoken, that he said, I will do this in the name of the Lord. And he spoke forth. Uh, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, the word of faith which we preach. Uh, Paul wrote those words. So now let's read verses 50 and
1: 51. So David prevailed after the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it.
0: Wow, he took off his head and hung it up. Praise God, a great victory for David. King Saul's son, Jonathan, became David's closest friend after that, an ally. A friend, the Bible says, sticks closer than a brother. David became a mighty warrior under the tutelage of Jonathan and was victorious wherever he went, according to 1 Samuel eighteen seven, David greatly loved the Lord and desired him earnestly in his life. The Lord was the passion and goal and desire of his heart. Let's read... Psalm 27, 4.
2: One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple.
0: One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Now Psalm 63, 1 and 2. I love this one.
1: God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see
0: your power and your glory. Does your flesh long for the Lord today? Are you desiring God? Are you more desire of God than your necessary food? More desire of his word than your necessary food? That's when you'll really find God. You'll find God when you really seek him with all your heart. Praise God. Before David became king, he was chased by Saul for 10 years. Some people don't realize that. Paul, Paul, <laughs> Saul was trying to kill him. And he threw a spear at him several times and missed him. And uh, the reason Saul was trying to kill David is because he'd fallen into envy and jealousy, which is a terrible sin. And he had a selfish motivation for ego and pride and prestige. And a lot of people are driven by ego and pride today in our world. Look at James 3, 16 according to this sin of envy and jealousy.
2: For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there.
0: Confusion and every evil thing where there's envy and self-seeking. Wow, that's a pretty heavy sin, isn't it? Now at Ziklag, a terrible event occurred. At the end of 1 Samuel chapter 30, we read in verses 1 through 4. Okay. Anybody got it?
1: I got it. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag... That's a cool word. And on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. And they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep.
0: What a sad story. So David and his men had been out fighting the battles of the Lord, and they came to Ziklag, where his all their wives and children resided at the time. And the Amalekites had come in and burned the city and taken captive the children and the wives of these men. And everybody was greatly distressed. And they began to blame David for what had happened. And they pointed the finger at him. And what did David do? He went over to a corner and pouted Mm-mm. and cried, Mm-mm. Woe is me. No, the Bible says he strengthened himself Mm -hmm. in the Lord. Mm -hmm. He built himself up in God. Hallelujah. And he looked to the Lord. You know, when you go through a difficulty, a tragedy, a hardship, that's the most important time to seek God in your life and to strengthen yourself in God and to call upon the name of the Lord in trouble and he will rescue you, the Bible says. So he turned to the Lord and he found strength from God. And then the Bible says he pursued the Amalekites. He had prayed, and God said, go after them. He went after them, ran them down, and the Bible says he recovered all. Mm -hmm. And we recover all in Christ, amen? Mm -hmm. All that the devil has stolen from us will be recovered in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. David was a great praiser and worshiper of God. People don't realize that. And under his kingship, he experienced the greatest worship ever recorded in the Bible. Now we come to the story where David tries to move the Ark of the Covenant, one of my favorite stories, uh, which really is the presence of the Lord. To Jerusalem, the city of God, Mount Zion. Mount Zion. Let's read 2 Samuel 6, 5 through 7.
2: Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord in, on all kinds of instruments, of firwood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cymbrol, cymbals, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nikon's threshing floor, sorry, Uzza and the ark of the covenant took hold of it for the oxen st- stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and the- God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God.
0: So they come to Nathan's threshing floor, and there the oxen that was pulling the ark, the ark had been placed on a new cart, and this was not according to the word of God, according to the scriptures. I guess David thought it would go quicker uh, if it was rolling on an ark. And Uzzah and Ohio were the ones watching over the ark. Well, the oxen stumbled. The poor guy stepped in a rut. That is the oxen. And Uzzah reached out to grab the ark, and he touched the ark. You don't do that. And when he grabbed the ark of God, he was struck dead. The Lord struck him dead. Well, David was greatly grieved, and he was angry. And he didn't understand. He said, "Lord, I hear I am taking the ark of the covenant, your very presence to the city of God, Jerusalem, and you strike us a dead." And so in his grief he didn't know what to do, so he stuck the ark of the covenant in the house of Obed-edom. <laughs> and there the Bible says God blessed Obed-edom and his household and all that he possessed. For 3 months the guy was greatly blessed. And all these material blessings came and all his Family was blessed, and all these great blessings were flowing through his home just because the Ark of the Covenant was sitting in the corner of his house. (laughs) But remember, the Ark is the presence of the Lord. And there, God blessed his home. Now, God, David, excuse me, brings the Ark to Jerusalem uh, eventually because he does it right, and he goes back to the Scriptures, and the Ark must be carried on the shoulders of the priests with poles running through the rings of the Ark of the Covenant. And there they carry and transport the ark correctly to Mount Zion, the city of God Jerusalem, and there it was placed under a thatched tent, where it remained, just under a little tent. <laughs> I love camp camping in tents. And there we can read about it in Second Samuel six, fourteen and fifteen.
2: And then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of, of a trumpet.
0: You say, Pastor, can you dance in church? Absolutely, you can dance anywhere. I used to get up in the morning before <laughs> I went to work and dance before the Lord and worship him and praise him. David was a dancer before the Lord. Really, the, uh, in the Hebrew, it means he was spinning around and around. And uh, he danced in his ephod, his undergarments of his royal robes. He took them off to dance before the Lord. And Michael, his wife, looked out through the window as he was approaching the city of Jerusalem. And she saw him and she said, David, you've made a fool of us all dancing in your royal underwear, if you will. And in before all the young maidens. And God was displeased with Michael and her heart. And he closed her womb pretty amazing. But he was pleased with David in his worship and praise before God. God's going to bring back the dance of the Lord back to the church. Hallelujah. Now, the ark is God's presence. And I've mentioned this before. We are living arks, carrying about the glory and presence of God. And as we lift up our hands like the cherubim face each other above the mercy seat on the ark of the covenant. God dwells between the two cherubim, and as we lift our hands, he dwells right in here in this spot right here, and his presence comes and dwells with us. Hallelujah. We're living arcs on the earth, and we dwell with God, and his presence dwells in us. Let's re- read Ephesians 2:22.
1: In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place or a habitation of God in the Spirit.
0: That's the whole point of the Christian experience, that we are a dwelling place for God. We are a habitation. We are an ark, if you will, for the Spirit of God and the presence of God to dwell within and upon. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now I want to give you quickly nine characteristics of David that we can apply in our spiritual lives. And I really encourage you to do so. Number one, David was a man after God's own heart. We've mentioned that. The greatest thing you can do in life is become a person, a man or a woman after God's very heart. First Samuel thirteen 14. Let's read that.
2: Um, but now your kingdom shall not continue. He's talking to Saul. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you.
0: You know, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for someone who he can strongly support, whose heart is perfect or sincere or loyal towards him. David had a loyal heart and God was rejecting Saul through the prophet uh, Samuel, speaking forth the word of God. And he said, I've sought after me, a man after my own heart. Praise God. And there he anointed David, uh, the prophet Samuel, and he rebuked Saul and warned him and said, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. David is the only person referred to this way in the Bible. Think about that. But the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us what Samuel meant by this phrase, a man after God's own heart. Now, we've, we learn about the character of God through the character of David. Isn't that amazing? So if you want to know more about God, learn about David. <laughs> no, he wasn't God, and he wasn't perfect, and he made some mistakes. But David was a man after God's own heart, and he had the heart of God. Acts thirteen twenty-two gives us a little better explanation as why he was a man after God's own heart.
1: And when he had removed him, he raised up from, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, "I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, after after my own heart, who will do all my will."
0: He did all of God's will. He obeyed the Lord. He was obedient. And so it, it appears that Samuel called David a man after God's own heart because of his obedience and his love for the Lord in his life. Jesus should be the love and passion of your life. Amen? Mm-hmm. Put Jesus first in your life, guys. Fall in love with Christ. He, he is your first love, your only love, really, your highest love. Number two, David was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. I love that term. 2 Samuel 23.1
2: Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel.
0: What does that mean, anointed? To be anointed of God really literally means to pour oil upon her, to smear oil on. When David was anointed by Samuel in Bethlehem, the oil fell upon him and the Spirit of God came upon him and he was anointed of God, empowered of God for uh, spiritual service. Hallelujah. Now, David was a musician. Musicians can be kind of interesting people. Uh, in some ways, they can be a little melancholy and a little thoughtful, a little reflective, but very talented. And David was also a singer. He, he wrote almost half of the Psalms in the Bible. I didn't know that either. Did you know that? He wrote 73 Psalms. When David was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him forever, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 13. Now, Saul's servants uh, believed a musician would help soothe Saul whenever an evil spirit came to torment him. And what had happened when the Spirit of the Lord left Saul, as God had uh, rebuked Saul through the words of the prophet Samuel, uh, an evil spirit visited Saul. It was terrible. And the only way he could be comforted is he would call for David, and David would come, and he would play his harp, or his lyre, and uh, worship the Lord. And he was made one of Saul's armor bearers. And whenever the evil spirit came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. And that would relieve the agony from this evil spirit. And Saul would feel better. And the evil spirit would leave him alone. 1 Samuel 16, 23. Okay.
1: And so it was, whenever the spirit of from god was upon saul that david would take a harp and play it with his hand then saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him so
0: god allowed this evil spirit to torment saul god is in control of all things amen and he allowed the devil for his own purposes but saul's heart was wicked before the lord and he was trying to kill david keep that in mind he wanted to wipe him out but god protected david from this point on, David's duties were divided between watching his father's sheep and playing music for the king. <laughs> Not a bad gig, bad gig huh? Uh, number three, David was greatly anointed of God, as we mentioned. Let's read Psalm 89, 20-24.
2: I have found my servant David with my holy oil, I have anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established. Also my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not outwit him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I will beat down his foes before his face, and the plague those who hate him.
0: And God said, I'll drive out his enemies before him. God will deliver us from our enemies. And you know what? As believers, we have enemies. Uh, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life, that you might have it to the fullest extent. Number four, David was a shepherd. I love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He fed the sheep on the hills of Bethlehem, as we mentioned, and he protected them. At one point, he killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands. (laughs) What a stud. He later fed God's people the word of God and became their leader and ruler. 2 Samuel 5.2
1: Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel.
0: Amen. David, the good shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd. Mm -hmm. Amen. And David wrote Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Go back today and read Psalm 23. Number five, David was a mighty and courageous warrior for God. Mm. And uh, people started to see David as greater than Saul. And they began to make chants. And the women sang a song and dance and said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. Boy, that was rubbing salt in the wound, right? <laughs> David was known for his leadership and his mighty men of battle who were loyal to him and fought in his battles for the Lord, were called to fight in spiritual battles, guys, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in high places. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and put on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all the stand, stand. The Bible says in James 4, 7, resist the devil, and he mm-hmm. will flee mm-hmm. from you. Some of you guys need to resist the devil. Stand against the works of the enemy, and destroy his works in your life. Amen? Number six, the Lord was with David wherever he went. Don't you love that? When he went to Target, he was there. <laughs> when he went to McDonald's, he was there. Wherever he went, God was with him. He prospered him and gave him success. And he made his name great. Isn't that amazing? Everybody wants a great name. Well, God made his name great. Second Samuel 7, 8 and 9.
1: Uh, now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the, she- the sheepfold and from following the sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies be- from before you and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are
0: on the earth. Unbelievable. Number seven, God built David a spiritual house of the royal line. And Jesus was born into that royal house of David, born in Bethlehem. David wanted to build God's house, or build God a house. See, David lived in a house of cedar, a beautiful, gorgeous, along the Newport coast. Boy, looking fine. Nice house. But David wanted to build God a house. God didn't have a house. Why didn't God have a house, Marilyn? Where was he? He was always in the tabernacle. Yeah, but where was Other God? was in heaven. No, he was on earth. One oh, place he was in oh, yeah, heaven, holy. but on earth. Yeah, but where did God dwell? Christy. Between the the two cherubim, (laughs) above the mercy mercy seat, on the Ark of the Covenant. The only place God dwelled in the earth was there, behind the inner veil, as Marilyn said. Unfortunately, nobody could approach God. Only the high priest on the day of uh, Yom Kippur, day of atonement. And that was a very precarious thing. So we needed access to God. Hebrews is about access to God. And the only way that you can find access to God is through Jesus. He's the one that opened the way. Hallelujah. The, the curtain was rent from top to bottom in the temple, and he opened the way that we might come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Hallelujah. The way is open. But David wanted to build my house, and, and the prophet Nathan said, Do it, David. Go build God a house. And the Lord spoke to Nathan in the night, the prophet. You know, the prophet gets the word of God, and he's got to come tell David hey David I got to break some bad news. God won't let you build you, you he will not let you build him a house because your hands are bloody. You're a man of war. And eventually God did allow a man to build him a house. And who was that man? Solomon. King Solomon, David's son. He built the first temple for God to dwell in. But God said that he would build David a house. And this house is found in Second Samuel seven, twelve, and 13.
1: When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever.
0: Praise God. God will raise up, the Bible says, the tabernacle of David once again in the last days. We're going to see the greatest revival the world has ever known. They'll write about it in the history books. And the greatest and most powerful worship experience will come when the glory of God comes and manifests Himself. The Lord's been showing me this, showing this to me in a tangible way in churches and stadiums all around the world. His presence will come in so powerfully that people will fall under the power of God. They'll be healed, delivered, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, exercising spiritual gifts and the gift of prophecy. God is going to move in an incredible way. We'll see lame people walk, cripples will walk, blind eyes will open, limbs will grow back. It'll be an incredible time of God pouring out signs and wonders in the earth. And it's coming very soon. You better hold on to your hat. (laughs) Praise God. Let's read Acts 15, 16, and 17.
2: After this, I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles, Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things.
0: I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. God's going to rebuild it very soon and reestablish the church in a way that it's never been established before. Number eight, David was Israel's greatest king. During Saul's reign, Jerusalem was captured, and the Ark of the Covenant was in Judah. When David became king, he retook the fortress of Zion, which became known as the City of David, conquered Jerusalem, and returned, as we mentioned, the Ark to the city. As king of Israel, David won numerous battles and made Israel a formidable nation as it is today, expanding its territory and military might, all the while pointing his people to God. Number nine, we're almost finished. David was a forerunner to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's fitting that David is such a prominent figure in the Old Testament. Uh, Because he was an imperfect human, anointed by God to save and rule his people, David lays the foundation for Jesus Christ, the only sinless human who became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us, whom God would use to save and rule all of humanity. Praise God. Mm -hmm. The story of David. Read it. Study it. It's also found in 1 Chronicles. Let's pray. Lord, we thank and praise you for the word of God. Give us the heart of David. Give us a heart after you, Lord God, we pray. Now we pray for the lost, those that don't know Christ. You're out there and you've uh, gone to church, perhaps, read your Bible, but you're not born again. Jesus said you must be born again. Come to the Lord today and be born again. Ask Christ into your life. You can do this by a simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. I turn to you, Lord God. I receive you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior, my friend. I'll worship you. I'll follow you. I'll dance before you and bless your name. In your precious name, I pray. And for you believers that have slipped away, your are backslidden. you're not walking with God, come back to the Lord. Come back near to God. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to come back. I want to rededicate my life. I want to be close again. I want to shake off this world that doesn't have anything to offer anyway. And I want to seek your face. Draw near to me as I draw near to you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anything else to say? Comment on? Marilyn.
2: I, I do, actually. Um, I like what happened. Um, we all sometimes feel like the enemy comes at us and we're struggling with thoughts or, or just outright attacks. And I like what happened when David worshiped the Lord. It disappeared. That's and right. made Saul feel better.
0: Amen. Worship is a powerful instrument. Yeah. It's a spiritual weapon against the enemy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can use worship to defeat the enemy in our lives. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thanks
1: for listening to Light Words. God bless.